Yeah, I was upstairs in a closet. I'm serious. It's like a walk-in closet with this vanity area. So here I am. It, it, we turned the little bitty vanity area into the podcast area. So I've got a walk-in closet over here and a bathroom right next to me. So I'm <laughs> doing my podcast from the closet. So at least I am out of the closet now <laughs> and not in the bathroom. So, okay, let me get, where is, um, okay, Leslie, remember what you're doing. I can't remember how to do the live. This is insane. Okay. Is it, no, it's not share screen. Nope, 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 nope. It's not that. Oh my gosh. Where, there's usually like a, a thing that says. It did say that it was recording. Yeah, it's recording, but they're, why can't, um, oh, you know what, I better know why, I'm not going to worry about it, I am not going to worry about it, so we don't have to go live, that's fine, like I said, I usually get like two people, so what I'm going to do is, <laughs> I will, we'll do this, and then I'll just upload it immediately, <laughs> so that's that, it'll be posted to Facebook anyway. So, okay, we are recording. So, all right, I am going to get started. <clears throat> right, hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of The Recovery Scene. I am your host, Leslie. Make sure that you like and subscribe. And if you really, really like it, share it with your friends. Today, we have Haley Long. Haley Long is going to tell us her story um, of her battle with uh, alcoholism and then later drugs. Um, and as per usual, that's it. Very short intro because Haley, I'm going to give you the floor and thank you so much for being here and being willing to share your story. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for like messaging me and reaching out to me to, for me to share this. That, that was like so humbling and it, it was a really cool experience to be able to process, to be like, wait a minute. No, like I deserve to tell this story. And so to have that moment with my inner child, it was just so, so sweet. Um, yeah, like you, you said, do. You I've seen your, um, you know, some of your content on TikTok and everything, and you know, you're putting yourself out there and trying to get a message out. So let's help you get it out. Thank you so much. I'm Haley. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I am 92 days sober today. Like, Yay! like, I, it does not feel real when I say that. Like, oh my lord. Um, I. My story is so interesting. So I think so many of us that deal with addiction and with alcoholism, I think a lot of our stories start the same. We, we grow up in very dysfunctional homes. Um, my dad left when I was younger, that whole thing. I, a lot of nobody showing up for me, me having to show up for myself. I ended up developing what was called borderline personality disorder, something that I didn't find out until much later in life, like actually when I was in the service, um, because of the hot and cold kind of behavior that I, I experienced with my parents, um, my family dealt with, ugh, dealt with addiction and with alcoholism as well. Um, but it didn't really take a hold of me until I got into the military. So the unfortunate part about the military is alcoholism is so rampant because that's how we have fun. You know, nobody bats an eye when you're drinking a bunch when you're in the military. And I, I loved the service that I, I was in and I loved being an Air Force medic for the time that I was. But, but that's really where 
that really started was I was dealing with my childhood trauma that I hadn't ever dealt with. On top of, there was a lot of trauma that happened in the service, um, which is really convenient because this is such a beautiful day. Today was the day that my anniversary, well, it's the anniversary of the day that my divorce was finalized. And I got married when I was in the service. I got divorced when I was in the service. And then to be able to share my, my three month mark with this anniversary, like I, it, that's so special to me because when that was happening, I felt like I couldn't go on. That was like right. really the, almost like a healing moment. It, it, it is. And to be able to look back and be like, like I, I did this. Nobody else did this for me. I did this. And, and coming from a very codependent home that I relied on so many other people and my, my marriage, you know, I've, I've forgiven him so much, but my marriage was very codependent as well. And having this moment to say like, no, like this is all me. Um, that, that is so special. Um, especially because my, the anniversary of when he left was my rock bottom. Um, that was April 13th of this year. That was my absolute rock bottom. I realized how much anger and how much resentment I had, not only towards him, but towards myself over the, the events that happened because, and trigger warning for anybody who's dealt with sexual assault, anybody who has dealt with anything um, like mental health wise, please big trigger warning because the anniversary of when my ex-husband left me and the anniversary of my assault are five days apart with my, with my anniversary of my sobriety date smack dab in the middle. So I, I made sure I made sure that I, the April 15th, which is my sobriety day will always like be so special to me because the 13th was my rock bottom. I realized how much resentment and how much anger I had towards him because had he not left, I would not have been assaulted. And that was the narrative I told myself. And that's what led me to, I think that night I cleared like two bottles of champagne. I did a bunch of meth. Um, at the end of the night, I ended up with Xanax to try to sleep um, and just to calm me down. But, but that was how my addiction took hold was I would feel all of these, un, these uncomfortable feelings and then I would proceed to drink to try to get rid of them like so many of us do. Right, it's escapism. You know, we're trying it, to cope, we're trying to escape. And yeah. numb that pain. Like we, we don't want to feel it. And it's like, why would I handle it when I could just get away from it? Um, and then like we were saying earlier, like alcohol has this uncanny thing about it where it's like, oh, our inhibitions are lower. And so now all of a sudden we're trying things like cocaine. We're trying things like meth. We're trying things like Xanax that we should not be trying. And it's because oh, why not? Like, I'm trying to escape this feeling anyway. Um, and, and that's how my addiction like really took off. And it was, right. and I, I think part to think it can't get any freaking worse. So yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. But there's always, so right when you think that you're at rock bottom, like there's a trap door yep. and then there, you've got a shovel and then like your rock bottom is where you decided to be. And on the 13th, after I think it, for about a year, it was really, really bad. I was drinking one to two bottles of wine a night. I, I hit it with such a pretty picture though. And 
And so many of my friends called me out on this when I actually finally did come out and was like, hey guys, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. Um, because I, I feel like so many of us know how to put on this pretty face. Mm-hmm. We know how to make everybody think that we have it together. I mean, I was a medic. Like I worked on the Las Vegas strip. I was very good at my job, very well known for my job. But like the moment I got off the clock, that was it. It was it was one to two bottles. I'd stop by Trader Joe's. I could pick up a case for $12. Like and then it, you know, I then I'd black out in the very next day. Like I would go back to work. And I was I was so quote unquote functioning that I could still do my job to the best of my ability. And I I was incredible at my job, despite the fact that like the moment I got off work. And that makes us able to lie to ourselves. Like I can't have a problem doing my job. I'm even not, I'm not just doing my job. I'm really good at it. Yeah. So, you know, all is well. I, I lied to myself so much, Leslie, like being 92 days sober and like looking back at the person I was like, like I forgive that, that side of me so much, but at the same time, I'm like child, like why? all I wanted was somebody to hug me and tell me I was doing a good job. And I know like, and I didn't realize that that person was me. Like there was so much that I was hiding from my childhood and from like my early adulthood that like, all I needed was for myself to wrap myself up in my arms and be like, sweetie, like you are doing such a great job. Like you are incredible. You don't need it. You don't need all of this external bullshit, excuse my French, Mm -hmm. to validate you. And, and I love AA because AA talks about how alcoholism is but a symptom. And, and it's so true because my problem wasn't just alcohol. My problem was me. It was, all of the, the stuff that I had been dealing with that I never really wanted to sit down and be like, you know what? Like, I'm a broken human. You know, I'm afraid of abandonment. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of success. I'm afraid of all of these things. I'm a scared five-year-old little girl trapped in a 26-year-old woman's body. And so when it finally got to the point of my rock bottom and waking up from all of that champagne, all of those drugs and being like, how the F did I survive? Right. Right. Like, Leslie, there was so much, (laughs) so much. And, and I knew, I knew what it was. It was, it was my disease trying to take over and, you know, and end it all. But, but something in me was fighting and, and I'm so thankful that I that it did because at the beginning of the year, I guess around March, um, I quit my medic job and I, I decided to pursue my dream full time as a personal trainer. Um, I'm a trauma informed personal trainer and nutrition coach who specializes in emotional processing and behavior change, which is so convenient. Because Very cool. Yes, <laughs> I'm a recovering alcoholic. Um, but but there was something in me that was fighting and trying to say like, nah, this is not where our story ends. And so I remember going into work on April 15th and I have such a, I have such a sick sense of humor. Um, I was a military medic, like it, it, get, it got dark, but I walked into work and all of my coworkers were gathered around the table and 
they were like, oh, Haley, here's your intervention. Like trying to tease me, like trying to make jokes with me. And I was like, oh no, that's funny. Cause today's day one, like radical, like let's do this. <laughs> like, and then right. I'm sitting on this medicine ball and I'm like falling off of it. Not for any other reason besides the fact that I just, I'm, I'm not coordinated. And I was like, sorry, you know, you know, I'm going through withdrawals, like teasing, trying to make light of this very situation, this very serious situation, because mm-hmm. I was just so uncomfortable in my own skin. And it just. Now, did your, did your drinking start when you entered the military or had it started before that? It, it, I, I'm from an itty bitty small town outside of St. Louis. So the only thing that there is to do in my small town is to drink alcohol or drive around the Walmart parking lot. You know, don't get me wrong. I love, I love my hometown, but there's really not much to do, but my alcoholism really didn't take hold. I had my first drink, I want to say 14, 15, but my alcoholism didn't really take hold until I want to say like after my divorce, which I was 22 at the time and I'm 26 now. Um, but 22 to 26, like I, I was known as Hurricane Haley. Like I started off fun. I always ended in disaster. It would be my own fears that would come out near the end of the night when I've had a lot of alcohol. I would start crying, mm-hmm. be manipulative, trying to get people to stay when they didn't want to stay. Um, I was very, I'm almost kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I'm also not, but I was very promiscuous because I thought that the only way that somebody would love me right. is if I had sex with them. Right. And the alcohol doesn't help that at all. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Like it, it made it so much worse, like, because I really didn't care. And then you add alcohol of like, I really didn't care. And so I disrespected myself so many times and it's just like, I hid so much of myself in alcohol. It was, it was a lot easier for me to not have to confront anything Mm -hmm. because the drink was always there. Alcohol wouldn't wake up tomorrow and tell me I didn't love me anymore. You know, like, right. Right. And I actually was quoted saying that several times by people. They were like, oh yeah, like at least Haley's got the bottle. Like Mm -hmm. I say that about coffee now, coffee will never, ever abandon me. Sparkling water for me. (laughs) Water. I love water as well. I do love my coffee, but yes, water is my dad used to call it Adam's wine. No, I don't know what made me think of that. We are such nerds. Anyway, talking about you, (laughs) about my nerdy family and our Adam's wine. LaCroix, like I wish LaCroix or like Bubbly or like uh Aha would sponsor me because like I go through a case or two a day. Like, yes. I do not do LaCroix. I have tried so hard. I have. I've tried. Try the lemon. I don't want, I just like water. Like, okay. I don't like flavored water. I don't like my kids call it the squishy because, you know, you take it and squish it in the board. Right. So, the Mio? Like squishy. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the Mio or the. I just like water, like water. And I will drink a ton of it, you know. But I, I think it's a gin drinker, though. So I have yeah. to have the bubbly. right that's true and I think it's the act of you know Mm -hmm. it's like for a smoker it's not just the smoking for them it's the you know 
packing it and the taking it out and the lighting it it's the whole thing yeah. you know and we were talking about this in the fourth of july episode you know you finally get to a place where you feel like you can go to an event where people are drinking. Oh. keep something in your hand whether it's soda or water or whatever as long yep. as it's not booze you know keep something i remember on the 4th of July, I went to a bar for the first time. Um, and I went with a really good friend of mine. She was actually my very first client I ever had as a personal trainer. Um, and I'm very open with all of my clients. I, I let them know like, hey, this is my experience. This is currently what I'm going through. And, and it's been like really beautiful to let them show up for me as much as I show up for them as their trainer. But her and I went to her friend's bar on the 4th of July and he owns it. And he kept he made me a michelada, but like put like mineral water in it instead of like beer and like put it in this big glass. And anytime they would do shots, he would pour me agua fresca. And because he was like, I want you to feel included, but I don't want you to feel triggered. Right. And I was like, I appreciate that. Like the only reason why I went was because A, I didn't want to be alone on a major drinking holiday. Like that was one of my favorite holidays to get messed up and and be dumb. Um, plus, I just, I wanted to give friends that were not in a an opportunity to like show up for me too. And she, she was incredible. She kept checking on me. She's like, are you doing okay? You know, I had several friends text me the entire experience to ask me how I was feeling. They asked me what my safety plan was. And like, it was such a beautiful experience because I, I did not feel like I was missing out. Right. And I did not feel guilty. I did not feel ashamed. Um, there was a bunch of drunk people who thought I was the coolest person ever because I was like downing these really big micheladas. And I'm like, <laughs> and yet she is, you know, completely lucid. It's amazing. <laughs> right. They're like, your tolerance is incredible. And I'm like, right. I'm just like sitting there like, <laughs> like yeah totally maybe you should have one or two of these um but it, it was just like I think that was a really pivotal moment for me was to be able to still go out and be in a quote-unquote triggering environment but not be triggered right because yeah. then it built trust within myself and and at the end of the day that's what it comes down to it's like do I trust myself enough to go out to these places and if I don't either I just don't go or I go with a support system so that way they can keep me accountable too and, and having that like I'm going on vacation for the first time since getting sober next week and I, I fully trust myself to be able to get on the plane which was a very triggering experience for me in the past you know I would just get messed up and then I would sober up before I, we landed, but I trust myself to be able to get on the plane and, and go through that experience without wanting alcohol, right. because I look at the life that sobriety has been like, has given me. And I look at everything, like everything that I wanted or that I thought that I wanted before I got sober. So becoming a successful coach, really honing my niche, um, developing just these beautiful relationships hell like I fully came out of the closet when after I got sober because I was so comfortable with myself mm -hmm. like and that is such a, a beautiful thing to be able to see that one of my coworkers teases me and he was like 
Haley, like you really got everything you could ever want the moment you gave up the drink and the drug. And I was like, yeah, because the universe, I call my God Gus for God universe spirit. I'm like, Gus was literally just waiting for me to put down my one vice and to do the actual work of working on myself. And then he was going to flood everything in there. It's just, I had to be able to let down my guard enough to be able to say like, this isn't working anymore. I, I can't keep being this big, bad person on the outside who has it all together, but is secretly crumbling on the inside. Like it was not incongruent with how I, like congruency with how I felt. Right. And so the moment I got into that congruency is when everything really started happening. Things like this, like this, I'm telling you, Leslie, like this is such a humbling experience. And I, I, I had to have a conversation. Like, yeah, totally available. <laughs> <laughs> I work from home. <laughs> like, um, I, I coach not only in a gym, I coach from 5 a.m. to 1 p.m., but I also coach online and I, I was at home and you reached out and I was like, in the past, I would have made up some excuse as to like why I did not deserve this because I, I as alcoholics and addicts, like we, we have so much shame and so much guilt, especially around our story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I could sit here and I could be ashamed of that, or I could sit here and say, hey, it is okay to be human. It is okay to feel those feelings and it is still okay for you to achieve everything that you want and, and pursue things that make you feel worthy because shame and guilt are just going to keep us like in one spot. I did that. That's what my addiction was, was shame, guilt, fear. Like I got to put that armor down because it didn't do me anything. It, it shielded me from brunt, like forces of all of those emotions for, for how long like for how long and finally I had to learn how to take a hit and say hey that sucks where is that feeling coming from why am I triggered by it you know what can I heal within myself so that way maybe I don't reach for the bottle right you know I I have six bottles of wine in my fridge right now that I my roommate they're my roommates but I have I've developed such a relationship within myself that I trust myself to have that in here Mm -hmm. because it's like AA describes it as an allergy and like that's the best way to put it is like you know I I don't eat foods that I'm allergic to right why am I why am I gonna drink something that's gonna break me out in handcuffs it's gonna break me out into you know my nose being itchy and wanting to you know or Mm -hmm. you know or wanting to I, I I'm still so ashamed of the fact that I did meth but like at the same time like like that, that's what happened. I would get that drunk and I would start craving that too. And it's like, but that's when did you start, um, along your journey, when did you start questioning whether or not you had a problem? When did you start? Because at first, you know, everybody's doing this in high school or whatever. Everybody's doing this. Then we go into the military. Everybody's doing this. I am not weird. You know, I am not there's nothing wrong with what we're all doing because we're all doing it. It's that, you know, group mentality yep. fitting in with the crowd and everything. And then when did you start thinking, wait, maybe there's a problem here? I, I could not tell you the exact date. I want to say it was around my birthday this year. My birthday's in February. 
Um, I was super hungover. My boyfriend at the time um, had this entire beautiful day planned for me, but I was so hungover that all I wanted to do was sleep during. Um, and and I oh I'm gonna get teared up, but like to think back now that I'm 92 days sober to know that I put somebody so special to me through like me being tired, like because I was so hungover, like you know, like that that hurts. You know, I had always kind of felt like I had had a problem, but I did not want to accept it. Um, it, it runs in my family, like I said, a bunch of the, the childhood stuff. I'm very susceptible to substance abuse and, and then dealing with really shitty relationships and that really exacerbated it. And, and I started to realize that like my alcoholism was only making it worse. And then I got into that relationship at the beginning of the year with somebody that I was so crazy about. He treated me so well. And I still could not let go of the drink, you know? And hell, I'm pretty sure I killed an entire bottle of champagne the night that, like our anniversary date. Um, and then it just got worse and it got worse and it got worse until finally I had this big old blow up in March that I basically like pushed him away. I got super needy. I pushed him away, but then I tried to pull him back in and it was, it was just so volatile and, and no wonder he left me. Like, we're pretty I, don't blame, I don't blame him one bit. Like, and I think that was like the, it was March when he, when he walked away. I think that was really when, when it really hit. Um, and it still wouldn't be another month before I pulled my head out of my, my rear end because I, it hit me that I had a problem, but I didn't want to fix it because I felt abandoned. I felt hurt. I felt ashamed. And it was like, well, I'm already this far, you know, I can't get any freaking worse. <laughs> can't get any worse. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, another thing that people um, who may be either str still struggling or in, in early recovery are thinking, how, you know, how do you, because when I was in early recovery, it took me a long time to get it though. A long time. Some people can get it. And for others, it just, it takes more than, you know, one entry. Into yes. Um, there's, if I had alcohol in the house, I was going to drink it. You know, I didn't understand, like my yes. alcoholism was such where I didn't understand leftover alcohol. Like I didn't understand how there was a bottle of whatever in the cabinet half full. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, why aren't you drinking it? Yeah. I don't understand people that eat one cookie. Like, I mean, clearly look at me. I, I like the cookies. But, you know, it's like, um, I am not a fitness coach. <laughs> um, but Leslie, eat the cookie. Eat the cookie. It helps you cravings. <laughs> so uh, our kettlebells just arrived today, just that way. Um, you need a coach. So, I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I have a friend. Um, <laughs> so they're going to be going, how? Like, how do you, when, a, when the craving hits or... You know, you are confronted with, yeah, pretty much when, it, when you, when you 
how do you, what am I trying to say? How do you push down or deal with or push aside that desire for alcohol? That's, that's, that's a hard question. That's a million um, dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> a million dollar question. Uh, my answer is, is this is going to sound weird at first, but I promise there's like a way that there's, there's a place that I'm going with it, but don't. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. Oh, look at that cute little picture. <laughs> Sorry. But, um, you, you don't, um, and I'm not saying you pick it up, but I'm saying you, you be okay with not being okay. And that was something that I, I really struggled with because I had painted this pretty picture of I've got my life together. Like, of course, everybody would want to be me. I have 17 certifications in PT. I was a combat medic. There's people who are, you know, who are alive because of the actions that I've made. Like I had had this really big ego and unfortunately my ego was not my amigo. And I had to let that wall down. And when I was struggling, I had to struggle. I had to cry. I had to scream. I had to call people. I had to let people in that I was, I was, I complained so much about how I could never find emotionally available people. But the problem was I was so emotionally unavailable and I did not want to allow anybody in. Like, why would I let you see me? Like that was, that was the person I was, mm-hmm. you know, and I bragged on the outside about how I was always so vulnerable, but I, I wasn't, I painted this pretty picture and I let you in just enough for you to feel like you knew me. And so when I got sober and I realized I could not do this alone, I had to let that wall down and I had to call people. And like I said, I had to scream and I had to fight. And the, one of my favorite things to tell people is you have to have really high standards, but very low expectations. So my high standard is I'm not going to pick up no matter what. No matter what, I'm not going to pick up a drink. I'm not going to, I'm not going to drug. But those low expectations are if the only thing I do that day is lay in bed and freaking cry, then that is okay. You know, my clients hate me because my favorite thing to say is that is okay, but it, it, it's true. Whatever your 100% looks like that day, it, it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Because those first 30 days, oh my gosh, the first 90 days, um, I say it's 92, but, um, well, two are important. it's funny when you get clean or, or sober, we go back to being little kids being seven and a half is important. <laughs> so 92, that's a, being one or, one or two, like, oh my gosh, like I see people and they're like, I'm one day sober. And I'm like, you have no freaking idea how important you are. Right. I'm like, you are the most important person in this room. Like, Yes, I just celebrated 90. That's great. But like one or two people or a week, like those first 30 days, those first 60 days, those are hard. Those are, I've done some incredible shit. I've nothing, nothing was as hard as those first 30 to 60 days because like you're, you're struggling. Your body's going through withdrawals. You're feeling things for the first time. I remember they used to tease me and, and they still kind of tease me about the fact that I'm always ready for arson because those first 30 to 60 days, I, I was calling people like, I'm going to set this place on fire. I am so angry. I'm so mad. I'm, you know, I'm so all of these feelings in it. Right. And it was because I hadn't experienced those feelings in so long. I don't think 
in my entire adult life, I really experienced the brunt of the feelings I have these 92 days. And now it's like, okay, well, you know, now these emotions are the five-year-old girl inside of me that I had to be like, okay, what are we going through right now? Cool. Like, <laughs> like, let's get it out. Like comfort you. But, but those first 30 to 60 days, you're experiencing everything. And a lot of it's brand new. And so if you have to cry and you have to scream, like just make one commitment of not like, if you have to get out of your house, there were times that I, I would call people and I would just go hang out at people's houses. I'd be babysat because that's what it took. Yeah. You do what it takes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. it was you picking up the phone. You do what it takes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You do whatever it takes, whatever that looks like. You know, for some people, it, it's, it's easy for some people. It, it's going to extreme lengths, but it's like, if that's what it takes for you to get sober and for you to change your life, then, then do the damn thing, right. you know, and, and don't be ashamed of that. I feel like so many of us are afraid to ask for help, but me, like me putting up my white flag saying, I can't do this on my own. Like it was such a beautiful experience because I got to see like my alcoholism and then my borderline personality disorder had, had me convinced that nobody loved me, that I was worthless, that I, the only thing that I was capable of being was some sex toy, um, especially like just, just the entire brunt of my story. You know, I, when I lost, I had lost a hundred pounds and like that re-added to the fact that I was, I was good for nothing but sex because it was like, that's all that people wanted me for. And it, my alcoholism and my addiction convinced me that like, that's all I was going to be that. Why would anybody pick up my phone? Right. You know, if I wasn't putting out, then, then why would they care? But when I humbled myself enough to be like, Hey, like I'm struggling, I'm uncomfortable. I want to drink. The moment I did that, like people started showing up and showing me that like, well, you always were there. You just didn't want us in your life. You know, you just didn't let them close. And so to see that, like my relationships now with people are so more wholesome. And so like, because it's not just one-sided, it's not just what, what can you do for me now? It's what can I do for you? Like now that I'm completely clear and you know, there, there's still some foggy days here and there, but, but that's okay because I'm still able to show up for people and be honest about my experience and let them in. If I'm having a bad day, I'm no longer telling you I, I'm having a great day. Right. I'm letting you in and I'm saying, hey, today's a really hard day. Like I had a trigger on Monday um, for my BPD where I felt like I was being abandoned. And in the past, I would have just drank that away and I would have I would have lashed out even harder that night and just blamed it on my alcoholism. But to be able to say, Hey, this change of plans triggered my borderline personality disorder. I feel like I'm being abandoned. I feel, you know, I feel bad. And being able to say, say that to this person instead of running away from it, like it, it allowed that person to show up and be like, Hey, you're not being abandoned. I'm just, there's a lot of my plate. Like I adore the hell out of you you know, and, and that was such a beautiful moment, but I never would have gotten there had I not 
been willing to put down my biggest, you know, my biggest piece of armor, which was that drink, because you can hide behind alcohol. And I think honesty, honesty is so crucial because it's when we start, you know, well, well, I don't want to sound like this or what will they think if I say this or whatever. And when we start hiding things, that's when all of those feelings, you know, just kind of fester. You're only as sick as your secrets. Yes. And they build up to a point where now we feel, now I'm completely overwhelmed. There is no relief because all those opportunities to be honest have passed. And so now I have to drink or drug it away. Yep. And then it's a volcano because eventually it always comes out. Right. And I don't, one way or another, it's going to come out and it, you know, and do you want to approach it when you're sane and sober and, and able to kind of understand that feeling or do you want to do it when you're you know blitzkrieg intoxicated and you can't form a sentence you know all it is is crying like I I was hysterical man like it it was people were like oh she's gonna be your problem at the end of the night like Mm -hmm. And it was true. I was everybody's problem, but my own. And now I'm able to actually take on like honesty, responsibility and account and accountability are three of the biggest gifts that I've been given with sobriety to be able to sit down and say, Hey, this is my experience. If I act in a way that I am not proud of, I can sit down afterwards and be like, wait a minute. Like, this is where this is stemming from. I apologize. I take full accountability for it you know, and, and how do I move forward from here? Right. And everybody's problem, but my own, I was everybody's problem, but my own. That's really good. That's really good. It's because I like, and it was so true, like, because I didn't want to be my own problem. I didn't want to take responsibility. I didn't want to take accountability. I, I was stuck in this victim mentality and it was, it was everybody else. Like everybody else was out to get me everybody else. Like they were mean to me. They were rude. You know, they were emotionally unavailable. Like, no, boo boo. I wish I would have sat myself down and been like, you sweet child. Like, no, the, the fact that you are in toxic, unhealthy relationships are because you have a toxic, unhealthy relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. You did not heal any of the BS that you had. You keep putting yourself in these situations and you keep expecting a different outcome, which is the definition of insanity, mm-hmm. you know? And and I cut like, it was such a reflection of how I felt about myself. And so now as I navigate the world as somebody who actually has a relationship with the person in the mirror, like it's, it's been really interesting because my relationships are healthy now. Like they're honest, they're open. You know, I'm like I shared earlier, like I'm actually I'm not pursuing men for the purpose of sex. I'm, I'm pursuing people that I genuinely want to be involved in, you know, we're involved with, you know, came out as happily bisexual and I'm still navigating that. And, you know, and that's going to have its own kind of adventures as I navigate. Am I actually a lesbian with heteronormativity or am I actually bisexual? Um, And, and, the beauty of sobriety is I now get to navigate that instead of 
I just want to be validated. Now it's no, I just have love and I just want to give love. Right. Yeah. Right. I feel like alcoholism and addiction, we come from pure fear. Like there's only two emotions. I heard one time it was said, there's only two emotions. There's fear or love. Like our, our motivations are driven from either fear or out of love. Mm-hmm. And it's like, to see that shift go from like, I'm a scared little girl to now it's like, now I'm a grown ass woman who is like slowly blossoming into an even more grown ass woman. And to see like those actions kind of like mold and change, it, it's been, it's overwhelming because you're just like, and, and I feel like so, so many of us, if not all of us who go through this experience can probably relate like looking at the change of the two because it's two different people i'm telling you your addiction absolutely and then the the clean version of you two different people like i i was a shell of a human like and now like there's actually a lot of like life and vivacious and an actual like excited you know I never would have done an interview like this over anything 92 days ago right I would say um you you climbed a mountain two days ago I did I did climb a mountain that was such a cute story um so Cathedral Rock which is convenient because that was where my ex-husband proposed to me um but I wanted to take back Cathedral Rock and, and I wanted to make happy memories. And this girl I'm seeing, um, we're still very early, but I'm like trying not to look like such a like smitten kitten little girl, but she wanted to go hiking. And so we, we hiked and, and it was so funny because the elevation was like super, like it wasn't super intense, but it, w- it was intense. Um, there was a couple times when we were like hiking up like this way mm-hmm. and um, here I am like little miss personal trainer like trying not to show the fact that I'm like wheezing trying to like impress this woman like I'm totally not out of shape right you know? my body totally hasn't gone through like these extreme things in the past 92 days as I'm recovering from all of this um, but when we got to the top being able to like see everything like it the view from the very top is it's I, I don't know the exact degrees but it's like this beautiful panoramic view and it, it was just so like I don't know I'm very sentimental in my life and I and I like to romanticize my life because like I saw I saw myself almost throw it away and mm-hmm. so to have this new lease on life and be able to experience moments like that where it was like I just I hiked up the mountain that I hiked up when my ex-husband proposed to me to work up the courage to kiss this pretty girl that I like, who I literally, like, it took me, like, it took all of me. I was shaking, like, and I asked her, and, like, there was an audience by the time I finally worked up the courage, and, like, we were cheering on, and it was the cutest thing, and it just, like... I remember when I got to the bottom of it, I went to, we went to lunch and then I went to my AA meeting to celebrate 90 and I'm sitting there 
sitting next to my ex-boyfriend who was still a really good friend of mine. And I'm just like, I'm crying, but I'm laughing and I'm like not understanding what I'm going through. And he's just kind of looking at me. He's like, what's going on? And I was like, just today is surreal. Like I I am a hundred percent authentically and genuinely myself. Like I'm not hiding anything. I don't feel like I have anything that's holding me back anymore. Like I put down all of the heavy shit. Right. I'm like, I don't know, like that, that is so, so beautiful to be able to be like, okay. It feels like a weight, you know, we, we hold this weight down with all of these emotions and all of these feelings, like we're, we're stuck here and to actually be able to be like, like it's, it's so relieving, like. Haley, congratulations on 92 days. That is so Thank cool. Thank you, Leslie. How will people, where they can find you, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or where, where are you? <laughs> so TikTok, I am wine a latte. Um, and side note, the reason why I keep it like that and why I keep all of my old TikToks is because like, that's part of my story. Like, right. Of course like I loved wine champagne like I always had a champagne glass in my hand I'm pretty sure like I still I still drink apple juice out of my my champagne flutes because I'm still that bougie person mm-hmm. um but I'm on TikTok as wine a latte my coaching page on Instagram is Haley whole body h-a-l-e-y whole w-h-o-l-e body b-o-d-y or my personal page where I talk more like the bpd side is finding Haley noel uh, personal and it I, I welcome anybody who's struggling to reach out because I know how hard it is right. and, and you don't have to wear your armor around me in fact if I can tell that you have your armor on I'm probably going to be like I don't know what this is like let's set this down for a little bit because I wish somebody would have would have done that for me right. but yeah reach out anytime um it it's life-changing. It is the best decision you could ever make is to go through one of the hardest things you will ever go through. And sobriety, sobriety is one day at a time. And, and I'll, I'll make this super short, but they, when I first started AA, they, they told me one day at a time. And sometimes it's literally one moment by moment at a time. And it's so true. And to humble yourself enough to say like, for these five minutes, I'm going to be sober. Right. That's you know and then you get to the next five minutes and then you're like okay for these five minutes I'm gonna be sober you know or one of my first sponsors told me she was like tell yourself you can drink tomorrow but you've got to stay sober today and then you get tomorrow to tomorrow and then you're like okay I can drink tomorrow but I'm gonna stay sober today and so then it's constantly telling yourself okay I'm gonna drink the next day but like today like I'm not gonna drink and like that really helped because it was, it was no longer, I was restricting myself. Like I could hide, I could have a drink tomorrow. It's just, I can't have a drink today. Right. 